0: Well, good morning, church. Morning. Good morning. to see you this morning. You get a 2 for special this morning. How do you like that? Two pastors. Yeah. Well, you haven't heard us yet, okay? So I would taper that applause <laughs> quite yet, yeah, don't you think? Maybe a little. Maybe yeah. a little. You know, maybe it's time for two offerings in a Sunday, too. Maybe not. Okay, we won't go that far. But we're on the topic today. We've been in the Rooted series looking at what we believe, why we believe it, and how important it is to know what we believe. Because our belief affects what? Our actions. Our actions, that's right. Our actions, how we live out our life. And so today we're hitting on the topic of the church. And the church is such a big topic, it literally took two of us. Yeah, it took two of us
1: and... We, we realize that the church looks different for different people. And depending on your background, how you grew up, even the churches you went to as a kid up until now, maybe it affects the way you think about church. Yeah, it does. So I think we have to ask a question like, what is church? What is church? What do you church? think of when you hear the word church? Yep. Uh, for myself, just thinking about like a building, when I think of church, I think
0: about uh, something that maybe looks something like this. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of think of something like this. You got to have a steeple to have a church, don't you? Eh, maybe not. Okay. Uh, I guess when I think about
1: worship and gathering together to give God praise and honor, I think of, you know, the rock concert
0: for Jesus. Yeah. Well, I think of the hymnal and the organ. You can't have a church without an organ, can you? Maybe. We, we had a guitar organ this morning, pseudo-organ, yeah, but very true, very true. why not just put
1: the pipes in Yeah, and then, you know, I think about pastors, and, you know, when I think about what a pastor should look like, you know, red kicks, flannel shirt, bracelets, you know, it's standard, right? I mean, it was Halloween yesterday, so I had to dress up. Yeah, but true
0: pastors have the suit and tie on. True pastoral pastors. Look at that collection up there. I mean, I tried to find my white suit today. I just couldn't get it out quite yet. But even my wife, when I left the house yesterday, she's like, you look so pastoral. It just happens that way. Yeah, it just depends on how you look at it.
1: You know, some of us, when we teach, we use different things like, you know, stools to sit on or even put our, our scripture on. There's something called a pulpit.
0: Um, And uh, churches have pulpits Oh, not these music stands What are we talking about, you know? The man of God needs a place to put the big book on Yeah, it's a little bit different It is But what we find out are all of these things are just kind of our tastes They're our styles They're what we kind of get used to Because the reality is the church isn't any of that, is it? No, the church is really all about the body And so when we look at the church,
1: what we're going to be looking at this morning is all about what what makes up the church and how it's not a building, it's not even the clothes that you wear when you show up to church or, or the way that you worship, but it's all about the people of God who are ministering together, living alongside each other in their faith as they take their journey, as their story is unfolding in God's ultimate story and how that works together. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we look at the church So first, if you have your notes in front of you, we're going to be going through uh, our article of faith there on what it means to be the church and what NBC believes. We believe that all who place their faith in Jesus Christ are immediately baptized by the Holy Spirit into one united body, the church, of which Jesus Christ is the head and which is his bride. We believe the establishment of local churches is clearly taught and that the members of this one spiritual body are directed to associate themselves together in local assemblies. We believe that the head of the church is Jesus Christ and those serving as leaders in the church over the assembly are elders, also called bishops and pastors, and deacons, both of whom must fit biblical qualifications. We believe the purpose of the church is to glorify God and to build itself up in faith by the instruction in the word, by fellowship, by keeping the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and by advancing and communicating the gospel to the entire world. Now a lot of that, as we read through these just few short paragraphs, it's kind, of, it's kind of simple, easy enough to understand, but we want to break down some of this just to help you guys understand what it is we believe as a church what NBC holds to when we look at who we are as the body of Christ. And so to get started, if we look at this first uh, sentence here, we believe that all who place their faith in Jesus Christ are immediately baptized by the Holy Spirit into one united body, the church. Believers make up the body. Yeah. Believers make up the body. All of us who choose to follow Christ, who give our life to him, who believe in the saving faith of what he's done on the cross, who died and rose again for us, we are believers. And we make up the one united body of Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as that. Believers make up the body. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, we see, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Believers make up the body. The church of which Jesus Christ is the head and which is his bride. We also understand that the church is here to submit to Christ's authority, that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That it's not just one person or one one person here on earth who is the head of the church, but that Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority. That we don't look to anybody else. What God says about who his son is and what he writes in his scripture, the very living word that is Jesus Christ, that is what we believe, and that is the authority that we submit to. If we look at Ephesians five twenty-three, it's kind of a long passage, so bear with me, but for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her Holy. As the head of the church sees us as his body, and he feeds and cares for us. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now Paul, as he writes, we, we oftentimes use this passage, I think, you know, when we talk about relationships, which is very important as a husband and wife, but to look at it from the other standpoint that Jesus is the head of the church, and that we, as believers that make up the body, are his bride is huge. It's so huge to understand that he, he's in control, and he cares for us, and he feeds us, he protects us, he watches over us, and that we, as the bride of Christ, as the body, submit to his authority, and what he says is true. And so the believers make up the body, we submit to Christ's authority, and we believe that the establishment of local churches is clearly taught, and that the members of this one spiritual body are directed to associate themselves together in local assemblies, What we're talking about here is the church worldwide. Now, we are the local assembly here at Manooka Bible Church. This is where we gather. This is where we meet. But we have churches in the Manooka area. We have churches in the state of Illinois. We have churches in this country. And we have churches all over the world. Whether they live in huts, they meet in underground places because they're being persecuted, or they meet in a place where they have the freedom to engage with one another, to, to have fellowship with one another freely like we do, the church is worldwide. It's not just when we meet on a Sunday morning or on a Saturday night or wherever it is, but it is, it's universal across the world that God is doing something bigger than just us. Bigger than just us here. The church as a whole is across the world, and we have to remember that when we look at who we are as members of one spiritual body, the church worldwide. We believe that the head of the church is Jesus Christ, and those serving as leaders in the church over the assembly are elders, also called bishops and pastors, and deacons, Both of whom must fit biblical biblical qualifications. Now, what we're looking at here is this idea of leadership to equip the church for service. Leadership to equip the church for service. I think if we we look around the room, we see that all of us are a lot different. Not every one of us are the same. It's not cookie cutter Christianity. But God has given us different talents and gifts and abilities, and so He's placed people in leadership, whether in a pastoral role, in a ministry role as a volunteer. Whether it's in food pantry, children's ministry, junior high, high school, wherever it's at, God has placed people in leadership for the purpose of equipping the church for service. And we see this here in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God... And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God is doing something to equip us for works of service. And he's using leadership, the people he's put in place, to help train us and equip us. In a little while, you're going to hear a little bit of our story when it comes to the church and the people who walk alongside us to help equip us to bring us where we're at today. Yeah. And that idea is so important because sometimes we kind of put on the blinders and we just show up on a Sunday or a Saturday night and we, you know, we, we do church. We sit in our, our chair. Maybe it's the same chair every week. We do our best to only have to touch or say hi to somebody when they say, get up and move around. And then we're out the door as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that we we're in this together. And when we come here, we're not just coming here to get in and get out as quickly as possible, but we're learning, we're engaging, we bring shape to be more like Jesus Christ so that way we could go and live out this mission that he's called us to, which we're going to be talking about. He is equipping us, and he's put leadership in charge to equip for works of service. We believe the purpose of the church is to glorify God and to build itself up in the faith by the instruction in the word, by fellowship, by keeping the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and by advancing and communicating the gospel to the entire world. Now there's three things here that I think stand out pretty clearly. That the purpose of the church is to give God glory. Yeah. First and foremost, we want to give God glory in everything that we do. In how we live, how we communicate, and the people that we talk to, and, and how we love one another. We want to give God glory. We also want to encourage one another. Again, we're not in this Christian journey alone, we're not in this life alone, but we gather together to minister alongside one another, to encourage one another when we see a brother or sister fall, to help pick them up. We're not doing this alone. And also to spread the gospel. The greatest mission that Christ has given us as a church is the advancement of his kingdom. Is to go out into the world and to share the gospel to the very ends, to the very reaches where people People even today haven't heard the name of Jesus, and he's calling us to go to those places and to share with them his love. When we look at the early church in the book of Acts, we see all three of those things in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right here in this picture of the early church, you see those three things. They were giving God praise. They were giving God glory in the things that they were doing and how they treated one another. They encouraged one another. In fact, this early church, they they drew themselves together. They lived together. They ate together, broke bread together. They cried together. They went through everything up and down together. They were there for one another. And because of that, because of the way that they treated this mission, God honored them. And he saw that their number continued to increase. And that gospel message was spread. And it didn't just stay there in this moment. A few weeks ago, Pastor Errol talked about how you know when we accept Christ, we, we sometimes think that this is it and overnight everything's gonna be different. But we realize that that's just a moment and from then on, it's a work in process that God is leading us to. Yeah. And so it wasn't just this one-time thing of saying, great, we're gonna, we're gonna follow Christ and everything's gonna be awesome, but they worked at it. They worked out their faith and they followed the mission that God had called them to by being together, giving God glory and honor Encouraging one another
0: and seeing the advancement of
1: God's kingdom take place. Yeah, yeah. Because
0: I think what's cool when we look at this Acts chapter 2 um, structure of what the church is, they took care of themselves, they were interactive, but they weren't just a little private club. They allowed the growth to happen around them. And I think that's been one of the struggles that the early, or not the early church, but even the church today has. Where we can, yeah, oh yeah, we'll take care of each other. We'll watch out for each other. But we totally forget the other part that there are still lost people out there that need to come in. Yeah. And so it's being that quote-unquote club to each other. It's being that family to each other. But at the same time, it's not putting up the walls that's for more, us for no more type of mentality. But it's keeping the walls open for others to come in.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, it's this idea that, like Brent was saying, we put on blinders sometimes. We kind of get in this routine of the everyday, I'm going to show up on Sunday, and that's my one day, and then I go back to living my daily life the way it always has been. Yeah. And maybe there's no actual change taking place. Right. And so that's the kind of mindset we need to shift away from and look at what it really means to be a church as one body
0: who is serving the mission of God. Right. Because, you know, if we believe uh, what you are just talking about, it, church isn't just a building, it's not an organization, it's... It's a living being of people like you and I working together. And um, as we get into this next section, into the metamorphosized part of our message today, the reality is, is if what we believe is truly what we believe, it's going to affect our lives. Something's going to take place. Something's going to change in our lives. And um, it's going to affect how we do church. And to realize that church isn't a place I just come to. Church is something I am and I'm a part of. And so, we're going to complete if you got your notes, we're going to go through the metamorphosized section here next and uh grab a couple points out here. First one is this. I need the church and the church needs me. I need the church and the church needs me. You need the church. We all need the church. Why did we show up this morning just so we could check off our checklist and say, "Okay, I did church this week, me and God are good." You know? um we're we're all right today you know maybe some of you came to rub that lucky church you know thing to say okay oh may the bears win today of course we know they're not because they're playing my vikings but um we won't get into all that today but but why do you come to church because you need something you need teaching we need teaching we come together because we need that fellowship. We've been beaten and battered all week long by our workplaces, maybe even in our own families. We need the church. But sometimes we forget to remember that the church needs me. Every one of us are a vital part of, of the local church. You might be one of those that says, you know what? There's close to a thousand people that show up at NBC on the weekend. What are they gonna are they gonna really miss me? Yes, we are. Because when we distance ourselves from the body of Christ, we are distancing ourselves as a as, as Paul said, as a part of the body. You can't just cut off parts of your body and hope that everything's going to still work alright. We need each other. And we need the church. Uh, an illustration. Uh, I heard several years ago. This is old, maybe some of you probably have heard it even but of a pastor going to visit a parishioner that had been away from church for quite some time he had been one of those that had been so regular but now he had just kinda distanced himself hadn't showed up in a long time so the pastor does what pastors do once in a while came and knocked on his door and as the guy opened the door he's like I know pastor I know why you're here I just don't feel at home anymore in church. It just doesn't seem to be the place for me. And he's just going on and on, and invites the pastor in, and pastor doesn't even say a word. They go and sit down. The fireplace is lit, and the fire's going well, and the pastor doesn't even say a thing, but begins to play along, play around with the fire, and with the tongs he begins to play with the embers, and he eventually takes out a burning. Uh, piece of ember and places it on the brick outside of the fireplace and if you've ever watched embers you know how they glow it's like they're breathing oxygen but they just sits there and the pastor begins to continue to play with the other embers in the fire and doesn't even say a word but as that ember sits out there on the brick guess what happens we know that ember begins to die down die down becomes a low glimmer and before you know it, that ember is cool enough for that pastor to reach down with his hand, pick it up, and put it back into the fire. And as he put it back into the fire, it began to get its glow back. That pastor got up, went to the door to leave, didn't say a word yet. And that gentleman said, Pastor, thanks for the loudest, strongest sermon I've ever heard we need each other to keep the fire lit that's why the writer of hebrews says in hebrews chapter 10 he says let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works how many of us think on that very often how many of you got up this morning thinking okay i'm going to church today. how can i motivate others around me most of us probably just got up and go whoa i'm still here you know but he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That do not, Let us not neglect. The Greek word is up there in course i have these theologians sitting in the front row with their you know speak greek russian whatever he wants to speak (laughs) i just finished my second year greek thing and i i'm still you know that's a mouthful but it's used there as a participle as the idea of you are not neglecting your meeting together the other meanings of the word are abandoning or deserting one another When we don't show up and when we just kind of distance ourselves from the church, we are abandoning each other. We are deserting each other. And that's the strong language that the writer of Hebrews gives us. He says, You need each other. You need to be together. Don't abandon each other, but come together. See, church was never meant to be a solo team sport. Being a Christian was never the solo thing. You know, I'm a follower of Christ, but I just don't like that church thing. You know, a bunch of hypocrites, you know, got to get up early on Sunday. Just not my thing. It's awful hard to live for Christ without the sharpening of iron with others around you. Because God doesn't call us just to come to church. He calls us to be the church. And that's our next point. I need to be the church. Well, we'll get to this first. We need to be in community together. That's why we have our small groups at all levels, from our kids in Echo to our teenagers in ICE and and 360, to us as adults meeting together on a regular basis, because we need each other to motivate each other, to encourage each other, to sharpen one another, to grow together, because our goal is, I need to be the church Pastor Nick mentioned that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the ones that are to, in a sense, be the body of Christ where we're at, in your workplace, in your home. We don't go, just go to church. We are called to be the church. And part of being the church is the different one-anothers that you see in Scripture I appreciate Pastor Dave mentioning mentioning this to us this week as we're talking about this message. He said, the real crux is the one another's of Scripture because that's what the Scripture calls us to do is to live in community with one another's. And if you want a great Bible study on your own, you start looking through all the one another's that are found through Scripture. You will be blown away. We could keep going for hours today, but I'm going to just give you a sample this morning. Of course. We're called to love one another. John chapter 13, Jesus' words. He says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. But then the writer of Hebrews goes even farther and says, keep on loving. Now, we all know it's one thing to love somebody. It's another thing to keep on loving them. After they've hurt us, after they've messed us up. And let's, let's be honest. Pastor Earl mentions it a lot around here. We're going to hurt you sometime. You're going to be hurt by somebody else around in this church because we're human. We mess up. But if we keep on loving one another, that will be part of being the church. Here's another one. Ooh, James tells us, confess your sins one to another. Oh, pastor, why do you have to go that direction? But that's part of being in community. Community. Not putting up this false face of, you know, got my suit and tie on today. Well, I'm the only one. But, you know, um, you know I look all churchy. I look all perfect. You know, you were like, no, he doesn't look perfect. But you know what I mean. It's time to be real. Confess your sins with one another. Now, let's be honest. You need to be careful who your one another is that you're sharing your sins with. But that's part of the growing together in community. To share with other, one another. But then the, Paul says in Colossians, Forgive one another. Forgive one another. You want to be the church? Be forgivers. Be forgivers. Paul in Colossians calls us to humbly serve one another. To serve one another. And, and later in Romans it goes on to say, Honor one another. If we're called to not just go to church, but be the church, these are some of the things we're going to do. We're going to humbly serve one another. We're going to honor each other. Ooh, here's a good one. Live in harmony with one another. How many of you have just a hard enough time at home doing that? Okay, don't need to raise your hands. I don't have my hand up either, honey, do I? Um, Live in harmony with one another. But part of being the church is that challenge from Romans 12, 16 to live in harmony in one another. And then he goes on later says, don't pass judgment on one another. That's part of living in harmony together. Like I said, I'm just giving you a few of these. Ooh, here's a good one. Submit to one another. Oh. But as you read that scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Once again, we come back to Christ as the head. He's the cornerstone. We sung about that today. Our submitting to one another comes out of our reverence for Christ as the head of this church. Spur on one another. A term we might call encourage one another. We read it earlier in Hebrews chapter 10. Part of being the church is encouraging one another. I hope today, even as you leave from this place and, you know, you go through the plastic tunnel out there to try to get out, that you're finding somebody today that you can encourage. Just so simple words of encouragement today. Be hospitable. Peter calls the church to be hospitable to one another. We read about that in Acts chapter 2 as well as they came together for meals, they interacted together. Part of our role of being the church is to be hospitable to one another. Now, like I said, this is just scratching the surface. There are how many more things that you could find through Scripture of the one another's. But that's what God is calling us to be, is to be part of this body together as one another. They're trying to not only serve Christ, but in our serving of Christ, we're loving on each other. We're encouraging each other. Because the reality is, the world's looking at us and the world needs the church. The world needs the church. They need to see. They don't just need to hear the gospel. They need to see the gospel through the church. Since Christ ascended into heaven, He sent His Holy Spirit to live within us. Our statement even mentioned that that the Holy Spirit is within us, and as we live out the gospel, people will see the truth of Christ in each of our lives. The world needs Jesus through each and every one of us. And that's part of what being the church is. You know, Andy Stanley often makes the quote, and I'm probably not verbatim with the quote, but just the whole idea that the most most important people of the church are the people that aren't here yet. That aren't here yet. The most important people of the church this morning are the people that could be sitting in the roped-off areas this morning. And that's a challenge to each of us, because as we live out truly being the church, it ought to make an effect in our neighborhood, our surroundings, and everywhere we're at, shouldn't it? It should.
1: I I took a class just a few weeks ago on on evangelism. I know you've taken a a class on evangelism recently, and the idea that we've been talking about is less of though you have people who knock on the door, hand out tracts, whatever it might be, stand on the corner and tell people about God, those are all things that, that work and can be effective in the right case scenario, but, but evangelism is more than just saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. It's the way that we live. And the missional living that we are trying to, to communicate today and what we want to live out even in our own lives is, is more than just, let me tell you about Jesus. It's, it's being out there with your neighbor. Pastor Errol months ago, talked about the Midwestern yeah. <laughs> philosophy of sitting out front and You know, just being with your neighbors. And I'm from the Midwest, and that's not what I do either. It's weird. (laughs) I still think it's weird. And I have neighbors who every day are out there. And I'm just like, hey, I really want to go inside because I have social anxiety right now. (laughs) But the the truth remains that the way that we live and how we approach even our neighbors in our community, our workplace, our schools, wherever it might be, they're going to see Jesus first in how we act before we even get a chance to open our mouths.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bill Heibel says it so well, you know, the local church is the hope of the world. And the reason he says that is because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the representation to this world today of who Jesus Christ is. And the the, you know, the little um, illustration we always give is there enough evidence from our lives that people would say that's part of the church or would they say who are they connected with? You know? Because each of our lives has that opportunity to reflect. Now, both you and I grew up in different church environments, yep. but for both of us, the church has meant so much. I, I was one of those pastor's kids that grew up on the wooden pews, praise God for wooden pews. You know, I think everybody should have to experience that sometime in their life, you know, and, uh, you know, as a kid, it was great because you could put your gum under the pew or else pick up the one that was left there from last week and chew it. And, uh disgusting. Yeah, it was disgusting, but look at how well I turned out, huh? Um... <laughs> But for me, a lot of times pastor kids have the rough advantage of seeing all the ins and outs of the church, the good, the bad, the ugly, and there is ugliness in the church because we're all sinners, aren't we? Okay, We're all broken hypocrites. We're people that have messed up lives, but what I found with my church experiences growing up was an incredible family experience. I mean, we did holidays together. We did so many things together. And those were the people that based, really gave me the foundation to be where I am today, serving you, uh, because people invested in my life, in youth group, as a child. I can remember my one Sunday school teacher, Millie Meyer. That's quite a name, isn't it? Millie okay. Meyer. But she gave such an investment into my life, and, and here I am. And you've experienced the same in a lot of ways. Yeah, there was, there was
1: a time where I sat on a wooden pew, and I hated every minute of it. <laughs> Uh, But as a kid, my parents instilled faith in me real young, and um, going to church in in different churches growing up, uh, they were good experiences, and then there was a time where my parents had a lot going on in their lives, and they weren't going to church because uh, through different things in their story, it kept them from going, and I really felt lost, and it was the people of the church, the body of Christ, who walked alongside me and said, listen, this isn't something you give up on just because mom and dad are dealing with this crisis right now, and um, you feel like life is falling apart, but that this is something that Jesus wants to see you go through, and he's not just want he doesn't want to just see you go through it, but he wants to walk alongside you in it, and so from youth pastors to friends who were there each weekend, they, they were the ones who spurred me on, and um, I even got to tell the story this morning about a friend who, who told me when I got a chance to preach for the first time in high yes. school to my peers saying, you know, this, you're pretty good at this. You should maybe try and pursue this as something to do. And so all these different people who in my life then kind of led me to this position of being where I'm at today, and it was because of the church who walked alongside me in my time of need yeah. that saw me through to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. We really do stand on the shoulders of a lot of great people. Yeah, strong, hefty shoulders. Strong, hefty shoulders. That... <laughs> Not saying a thing. Um, but realizing that the church has gone through hell and back, literally. It's, there's been seasons in the church where it's gone totally sideways. It's gone totally away from what God had intended it to be. There's been seasons where the church has been persecuted beyond measure. And even today, the church around the globe is persecuted like never before, really. In fact, uh, you find, uh, I was just reading this week as we were thinking on this, that, of course, we know there are more persecuted for the cause of Christ today than there ever has been in history, and in fact, Christianity is the most persecuted faith around the globe, which shocked me. I thought, man, there's all these other religions and things and people's, you know, uh, thoughts towards them, but Christianity is an incredible persecution today, and um, in fact, Uh, Most statistics say there's anywhere from 100 million to 200 million Christians today around the globe being persecuted directly in some way, shape, or form. And uh, today and through next Sunday is kind of set aside on the calendar as an international week of prayer for the persecuted church. And I would really challenge you this week. On your program, on the back side, there's uh, lists of our basic structure of belief that we went through today and Scripture verses for you to read, I encourage you just to write there on the top, just write, pray for the persecuted church this week. And each day as you look through maybe some of those passages of Scripture and what we talked about doctrinally, I pray you'll take the time to pray. Pray for those today that are going without food. Pray for those that are sitting and rotting in jail cells. Pray for those today that are smuggling themselves in, hiding themselves just to get to a a basement somewhere, just to have one little piece of Scripture to read. Pray for them this week. Because we know that no matter what this enemy throws at us, God's kingdom will prevail. Amen. And what an awesome, awesome thing. Well, let's stand together to pray together. Pastor Nick's going to lead us in prayer as we close out this morning.
1: Yeah, and as we go here this morning, we want to remember that God has called us to be the church. He's called us to be the church, and we need one another. And that goes for here in our local assembly where we gather, and that goes for the churches in our, our local area, our state, our country, and the world. And so we're going to pray for us here this morning, we're going to pray for the persecuted church around the world, and we're going to give God thanks for what he's doing, even in spite of the persecution and the, the, the just kind of everything that's going on. So let's go before him now. Father God, we come before you and we give you thanks, Lord, that you have blessed us with a place to be where we could gather freely, or we could study your word, where we could look to one another in our times of need, that we could call upon your name, Father, as you are the head of the church, as we look to you and we say, God, we are in desperate need. We're in desperate need of you. Lord, I just pray for every one of us here that as we leave here, we would be reminded that we are your hands and feet. That people, when they see us, will see us as your son first before we even get a chance to speak his name. And that needs to be a reminder to each and every one of us, myself included, because how we act showcases your love for the world. Father, I also just pray for the churches around this country and around this world that are going through times of need, times of hurt, times of pain, times of loss. Those who are hiding underground, those who are being thrown in jail or killed every day, God, you are a God who sustains, you're a God who is good, you are a God who will see your church come through this by your power and by your name and your name alone, Lord. Father, we know that when the kingdom comes that we will see all that you've done through eternity to bring us to that point. But until then, never let us lose our fire, our passion for this world and for your people. Be with us. Remind us of what's going on in this world every day as we pray and think for them. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.